0: Glory! Thank you, Lord. I need you to survive. Amen. The world doesn't want us anymore. All we got is Jesus and each other. Amen. And I need you to survive. Praise the name of Jesus. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord in the company of God's saints. Amen world doesn't want us to know what to do with us. All we have is Jesus and each other. Amen in Jesus' name. Well, I can't believe that this week is uh, coming to a close with our presence here with you. And we want to just thank you for the words of encouragement we have received this week. And for your presence here, it's just been very encouraging to be uh, here with you and to see your response. And we honor the Lord for all that he has done And uh, as we come into these last days, all we have is Jesus and one another. And if we're gonna make the journey, we ought to enjoy the trip. And we've been looking at this whole subject matter about working with one another and how to work with one another. And so we're down to our our last character in this list that we've been reading. And so I'd like you to direct your attention one more time to Colossians chapter four. And can we look at uh, verse number 17 tonight? We read uh, from four through 18 on Sunday morning and uh, four, seven through 18. And we've been just looking at these various characters in this text and we're gonna make our confession of faith uh, and then we'll go right to Colossians four seventeen. All right, so could you uh, take your Bible and hold it up or your digital instrument wherever your scriptures may be found and make this declaration after me. Say this after me, this is my Bible. Yes. Though there are many in the world, this one is mine. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is, And he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Because I am a diligent seeker of God, my life will be better because I have heard the word of faith. Do you believe that? I believe that let's make our lives better by hearing the word of God and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 17, please. It says here, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. This salutation by my own hand, Paul, remember my chains, grace be with you all, amen. We've been looking at this theme on working together and we've looked at several of the people that Paul lists. We've looked at uh, Titicus uh, here in verse number 11 that we said was a man with a servant's heart. Onesimus in verse number nine, a man with a sinful past. We've looked at Aristarchus in verse number 10, a man with a sympathetic heart. Then we went on and we looked at this man, uh, who is called Mark. He's a man with a surprising future. In verse number 11, we looked at Jesus, also called Justice. And we saw a man with a silent, uh, uh, a silent servant. Last night, we looked at Epaphras, a man with a single passion. And then we went to verse 14 and we looked at Luke, a man with specialized skill. And then finally last night we ended with Demas, a man with a sad future. Tonight we like to look at our Chippas, and we like to look at this man. And I would like to look at a man that Paul just says, finish strong. Not everyone that starts this walk and this race finishes. We saw Demas as we closed last night, a man that Paul exhorts, And he said that Demas was one that had left the faith because he was seduced by the things of this world. Then we looked and we see this one man that he says Archippus, who is a man that he encourages to fulfill the ministry that is received. Finishing strong is critical as starting strong. Not everyone that starts finishes, but here, this man in the New Living Translation, it says, and say to our chippers be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. There's a sin in the Bible called the sin of trespass. And a trespass is a unique kind of sin. All sin is missing the mark and it kind of gives a picture of a bullseye with somebody Pulls the arrow, lets it go, and it hits anywhere outside of the bullseye, missing the mark. There's also other kinds of sin, like transgression is a, is a uh, violation of God's known law, transgression. Wickedness is just doing things that are just evil, evil in the sight of man, in the sight of God. There's also what's called iniquity, and many times it's associated with transgenerational sin, things that we see happening from one generation to another, transgenerational sin, also called iniquity. And then there's also a sin called trespass. And a sin of trespass is called a sin of infringement. Infringement. A trespass is really when you step on somebody else's property, when you step into somebody else's purpose. And Paul tells this man, Archippus, he says, be sure that you carry out the ministry that the Lord gave you. Some people never fulfill the ministry God gave them, the service God gave them, because they're so worried about and interfere with everything God gave to everybody else. I'm a pastor of a local church as well as doing apostolic ministry. And it's kind of interesting as a pastor, I know where a lot of people in my church work. I know where a lot of them, I know what a lot of them do. Our church will be 30 years old next year with 29 years old first Sunday in May this year. And you know what? In 29 years, I have never gone to anybody's office and sat down in their office and told them how to run their office. Stay with me. I've never gone to one of our doctor's office and told them how to run the doctor's office. I've never gone to an accountant's office and told them how to run their accounting office. I've never gone to the state government where our people are managers and supervisors and told them how to run their department. I have never gone to any of the laborers in our church and told them how to drive a truck or how to run a piece of machinery. I know where they work. I've never gone to any of our managers at the Honda plant and told them how to run their division. It's only in the church. where folks feel like they have the right, not a privilege, but a right to come in and tell the pastor how to run the church. First thing Paul tells, oh, y'all won't like me tonight. <laughs> he tells, oh, somebody will like me, okay. <laughs> it's to our chippest that he says, Be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. And many times we never fulfill and finish strong what God gave us as an assignment because we become so busy trying to fulfill everything that the Lord told everybody else to do. In the Old Testament, there are glaring examples when people became became competitive with people like Moses. They say, is Moses the only one to hear from God? God said, well, let's find out. Come on out. And y'all talking, I'll let Moses talk and see which one the Lord responds to. And the one that was talking for me that wasn't sent from me, I'm just going to burn them up. One night some guys got and stepped into the office of a priest and they weren't called to be priests. And God just let a big hole in the ground open up and swallowed up a bunch of people. It seems like we serve a different kind of God in the Old Testament than we do in the New. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad we're in the New Testament now. (laughs) Because it seemed like in in, in the Old Testament God didn't play that stuff. (laughs) And friends, he says, say to our chippets, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord has given you. Now, it takes diligence and steadfastness to fulfill the call that God gave on us. It takes attention, it takes diligent and hard work, and it also takes endurance to finish the call. Peter was a man that constantly encouraged people to fulfill their car because he had interruption by denying the Lord on the night of his passion. And if you will, look in Second Peter chapter one and verse number 10. We looked at Peter several times during this course of study. We looked at Peter and his relationship to Mark, and now let's look in second Peter chapter. 2nd Peter chapter uh, 1 and verse number 10. 2nd Peter chapter 1 and verse number 10. Because Peter says this. Peter says in 2nd Peter chapter 1 verse 10. Therefore, brethren, even be more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Make your call and election sure. King James Version says this about 2 Peter 1:10. Wherefore, rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail. 2 Peter 2, uh, chapter 1, verse number 10, New Living Translation says, Dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God called and ch- and has chosen. Do things, and you will never fail. It seems like if you and I work hard at what our assignment is, God says you'll never fail. You'll never fall short. You will make your call and election sure. Even Paul, when he is uh, finishing His race. He exhorts Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And could you turn there? 2 Timothy 4. And the man Paul says this to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 5. He says this. He says uh, to Timothy. About making your call sure. He says to our chippants. He says. But here Paul says to Timothy. But be watchful in all things endure affliction, do the work of the evangelist. Then he says fulfill your ministry. The King James Version says make full proof of your ministry. New Living Translation says about 2 Timothy 4 5, but but you should keep a clear mind. It says in every situation, don't be afraid to suffer for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given unto you. Friends, when you and I start in this race, God expects us to finish it. And friends, it doesn't take a license, an ordination or anything else to finish the race he set before us. It just takes diligence to make our calling and election sure. And friends, here, this man has encouraged our Archippus to finish strong. I remember that when all of us have one ministry we can do, and that's the ministry of reconciliation. We can do the work of an evangelist. And it doesn't take a whole lot just to tell people the good news. One day Jesus cured a man. And when he cured him from blindness, uh, Jesus moved on his way, and people came through and they said, well, who was this man that cured you? He said, I don't know. He just came by and he cured me. And he said, well, he said, was he a holy man or not? He said, I don't know. He said, whether he's holy or not. He said, well, who was he? He said, was he Lord? He said, I don't know if he was. He said, well, he couldn't be. He did it on the wrong day. And then they kept drilling this guy and drilling this guy. And finally, the guy said, now listen, whether he was holy, whether he was Lord, whether he's right, I don't know. Here's one thing I do know. I once was blind, and now I see. And friends, if you know where you were before Christ, and if you know where you are now, you qualify to do the work of the evangelist and make your calling and election sure. You don't have to be a seminary graduate or a Bible Institute graduate or a Bible college graduate. All you have to do is become skilled at telling your story. And he says to Archippus, he says, Archippus, he says, you be sure to carry out the ministry God has given unto you. All of us can do the ministry of service. Serve the Lord with gladness. Not with sadness, but with gladness. Just be glad to serve somebody. Man, find a need and feel it. Find a hurt and, and, and heal it. And just be available to listen to and pray with people that are traveling through the traumas of life. And if we would just show up and stand up and speak up, we can make our calling and election sure. I have people in our church now that are fulfilling their calling in the marketplace. And now people, there the evidence of Christ is so much on their life that when trauma hits people's lives, they come and pull them out of their department off of their job and say, can you just talk to her? She's not having a good day because she just lost her mother. Can you talk to them? They're not having a good day because they just had a tragedy happen to a child. Can you just talk to them? They just lost a child by a miscarriage. And there are people who have become, if you will, ex officio chaplains at their job. These folks don't wear badges and t-shirts around. They're just people who have evidenced the life of Christ. And when people are going through the traumas of life, they are called from their departments to minister the people. I found out if we just stand up and show up and speak up, things can happen. When my son was in high school when he was uh, going to the sports banquet at the end of the year, the principal walked in and they had a big old pot blessing, pot luck, if you will, uh, that was everybody had brought a dish and they were getting ready to eat. And when they were getting ready to eat, they said, okay, it's seven o'clock, it's time to eat. And then he looked over and he said, Pastor Scales, would you come up here and bless the food? He said, no, I know we're not supposed to have prayer in school. He said, but I'm not eating food that ain't blessed. And I went right in there and just blessed the food. It's kind of interesting that that, that, that that when you and I show up and when we stand up and we speak up and when we make sure to fulfill our calling, God will open doors for us. I was invited to the Jewish center in our, in, in, our city. And when I invited to the Jewish center, it was Jerusalem day. They were celebrating the, the city of Jerusalem and they had an ambassador from Israel come and they had a Christian and a Jewish celebration that was there. And it came time to pray and they had assigned us various prayers to pray. And of course the Bible says, give no offense to the Jew or to the Greek or to anybody in the church of God. And so I went to the rabbi and I said, you know, when I was assigned to pray, I said, you know, uh, I pray and I end my prayers in the name of Jesus. I said, "Will that be offensive? And the rabbi looked at me, he said, we know you're Christians and we know you pray in the name of Jesus. He said, so no one will not be offended. We invited you here. There is sometimes we are more apprehensive than those people that are out there. If we fulfill our call and just show up and stand up and speak up, no telling what kind of doors God will open up. I went to another place where it was a union meeting and they opened a meeting with a meditation and they asked me to open a meeting in prayer. It was a state union meeting. And they said, now, Reverend, we need you to write out your prayer. And they said, because there's all kinds of people here. And they said, and we need you to pray a universal prayer. And I said, I'll pray a universal prayer, but I want you to know I'm going to end it in the name of Jesus. And then the person told me, well, now, you know, nobody else has really done that. And whenever you bother me, I'm going to fulfill my call if you get on my nerve I'll fulfill my call so I prayed a great uh, far reaching prayer but since they messed with me at the end of the prayer I said and we ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I said oh yeah if you mess with me I can drag it out now (laughs) fulfill your call don't be intimidated by crowds. Don't be intimidated by situations. Don't be intimidated by circumstance. Fulfill your call. And he says, say to our chippas, take heed to the ministries which the Lord has given to you to fulfill it. Listen to me. As we look at this man, our chippas, one of the things that I find in his life is that God's going to ask you, how did you do with what I assigned you to do? And it's very interesting that we are many times seduced by what everybody else is doing, but don't copy anybody. Can I say this to you? You were born an original, don't die a copy. Be the best at being you. Nobody can do what God has called you to do. And nobody can be you. Be the best you, you can be for him and do what God has called you to do for him to his glory, and God will receive the glory. Say to our chippers, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord. Now, why is this term in the Lord so important? Because the Lord knows how to set us in the body. Have you ever considered the the, the group that Jesus pulled together? Because we're fulfilling it in the Lord. Because Jesus had a team he had to work with too. Look at me in Matthew chapter 10 for a moment. Matthew chapter 10, fulfill them in the Lord. Cause the Lord had a team he had to work with also. Matthew chapter 10, turn there. Now, now, now look at this uh, team that Jesus pulls together. In Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10 in verse number one, it says, and when he had called the 12, this is Jesus' team, cause he said, fulfill them in the Lord. And I want you to know the Lord knows something about working with others. He said, Jesus called the 12 disciples to him and he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease, Matthew 1. Then he goes over in verse number two and he says, in the name of the 12 apostles are these. First Simon, that was also called Peter. Then Andrew, his brother. James, the sons of Zebedee. Then there was John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, Libius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. He said, fulfill it, Archippus, and the Lord. Now, the Lord had a team. And it's kind of interesting, the team that Jesus put together. Because when Jesus calls his team, though he is going to establish the kingdom of God, He does not call one scribe, one Pharisee, one Sadducee, or one priest. Jesus calls men that were working, fishermen, tax collectors, and common men. Jesus on his team had different kind of men, different kind of temperaments, different kind of personalities, and different people of different political persuasions on his team. Would you look at that list that that, that is there? Because on Jesus' team, his team is listed four places in the the gospel or four places in the New Testament. His team is listed in um, Matthew 10, 2 through 4. They're also listed in Mark 3, 16 through 19. Mark 3, 16 through 19. His 12 are also listed in Luke 6, 14 through 16. 6, 14 through 16, Luke And they're listed one more time in Acts chapter 1, 13. Acts 1, 13. Now listen, all of the lists have the same 12 in them, except for in the book of Acts, Judas is now dead. But all of them have the same list of 12. Now watch. In the list of 12 that is mentioned there, they're in three groups of four all the time. Three groups of four. Peter always leads the first group. And then it's always followed in some order by James, John, and Andrew. Then the fifth name of the list is always Philip. He's always followed in some order by Bartholomew, who's also called Nathaniel, Matthew, and then Thomas. And then the third group of four is always led by James. And then it's always followed by Thaddeus, who's also called Judas, not Iscariot, uh, also called Libyus, and then Simon, and then Judas Iscariot, three groups of four. Now watch this. Each one of these groups, the one led by Peter, the one led by Philip, and the one led by James, showed different levels of intimacy with the Lord. The first group was very close to Jesus. You could call them his inner circle. The second group with Philip was a little bit less, was a little bit less distant, but had a lot of interaction with Jesus. The third group of four was more distant. They were listed, but you don't know and hear a lot about them. Now watch this. Fulfill your call, O Chippus, in the Lord. What did the Lord do? Well, first of all, look at who he chose. He chooses Peter. Peter was a fisherman. He was an aggressive guy. He was the guy with the foot-shaped mouth. (laughs) Peter was one of those guys who was always talking but never knew what he was talking about. In fact, at one time in Matthew 16, when Peter finally gets something right, Jesus says, who do men say I am? Everybody's talking. And Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, we know God, God had to reveal that to you. In fact, we know that was not flesh and blood, cause Peter, you'll never get nothing right. We know that that had to be God. Here's a guy that gets everything so wrong that the one time he gets something right, they know it had to be God. (laughs) He was Jesus' right-hand man. And yet, he was a guy that didn't have a clue most of the time what was going on. He tells Peter, come on and be on the team. Then there's James and John. They're called Boanerges bo- in, a, in a map, Mark, 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 uh, mark uh, chapter three. Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. One time these guys went someplace and they rejected their preaching. They say, let's call thunder down on them. Yeah. So these were, were some radical guys. They were full of passion. They want everybody to get saved now. <laughs> if you didn't get saved now, you're going to burn. That's kind of the way they were. And I kind of think that these guys, like those hell's angel disciples, you know, sons of thunder, riding around on camels that are souped up, you know, (laughs) through the through the city and that kind of thing. The sons of thunder. And Jesus tells these two guys, come on, be on my team. Now James is really known as an apostle of passion. And he was known for his passion and for his zeal. Do you have some room in your church for people that are very zealous? Now, there always has to be zeal with knowledge because some people always want to get busy, but they're busy doing the wrong thing. And James was known as an apostle of passion, but John was known as the apostle of love. He was passionate about love. In fact, when he writes sometimes, John talks about himself in third person, the one the Lord loved. I'm special. Not short but special, but special. And he said, I'm special. And in fact, he thought that he loved the Lord so much and the Lord loved him so much. When Jesus says, listen, tonight we're eating and someone at this table is going to betray me. And everybody at the table starts saying, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? It's only John that leans on his breast and says, who is it? (laughs) He's special. (laughs) Do you have some room on your team for some? special people. <laughs> Look at your neighbor tell them you're real special. <laughs> and Jesus puts Peter, James, and John on the team. Then there's Andrew. I like him on the team because we're the fulfillment ministry in the Lord and the Lord has room for everybody. And, and I like Andrew because he's the apostle of little things. He finds Jesus first, then he goes and he gets his brother Peter and brings Peter to the Lord. When Jesus says, let's feed all these people, who is it but Andrew that goes out and finds a little guy with a little lunch and he brings them to Jesus and they take the little lunch and feed all of these people. And this is a guy that just likes to find stuff. We need some people in the church that know how to find stuff. That if you say, I need an eight track tape recorder. Somebody raise their hand, I know where one is. Don't mess with me like that. (laughs) You got three? See, there's somebody in the the crowd right here. (laughs) Because we just know those eight tracks are coming back one day, don't we? (laughs) There's some people. We need some folk in the church that are just resourceful. And Jesus says, take him and put him on the team. Then you have Philip. Philip is number four. He leads the next group, Philip. And I call Philip the bean Counter. So you know that there are some people that won't pray about nothing. They don't fast about nothing. Every time you throw out an ideal, they're just going to get out their calculator. <laughs> First, Jesus says, "Set these folks down and feed them." Yes. Philip's the one that said, "Hmm, three hundred pennies worth of bread wouldn't buy feed enough feed all these people." He said, "A year's wages couldn't buy enough bread." He's always a guy that's counting. <laughs> Do you have room for some accountants on your team? Folks that always want to wonder about the bottom line. How much is it going to cost? Okay, we don't want no Phillips. Okay, okay. (laughs) Then we have this man called Bartholomew, who's also called Nathaniel, and he is called the guileless one, guileless one. He's the one that has no hidden agendas. Can't we just use some folks in the church every now and then that come in? With no hidden agenda, all they're saying is, "Preach to me, disciple me, tell me which way we want to walk, and let's just walk in it." When they come up, there's no pretense, no hidden agenda. What they say is what they mean. What they mean is what they're going to say, and they just want to fulfill their purpose in the Lord. And I could use some Bartholomews called Nathaniels on my team. Then there's Matthew. Now, I like Matthew because he sold out to the man. He's a Jew but he's working for the man. He's extracting taxes from his own people. He's a Jew working for the oppressor, the Roman government. He's a sellout. And people hated tax collectors because they worked with the man. And see, Rome would send out all these bills, tax bills to people. And the tax bill might say that you owe 50 shekels for your taxes. Well, when you came to the tax booth, Matthew was sitting in there and he said, Your tax bill is 100 shekels. You say, No, my bill says 50. And there would be a big Roman soldier there, thump his spear and say, Pay the man. You dole out your 100 shekels, and and all of a sudden they give 50 to Rome. And then the tax collector and the soldier would split the difference. They were robbers and thieves, and they were extorting their own people. They hated tax collectors. And yet Jesus goes by a booth one day and said, Matthew, come on, be on my team. Okay, we don't want Matthew on the team yet. <laughs> Last one in the group of, second group of four, there's Thomas, now help me. What do we know Thomas for? Thomas. Doubting. Do you have some room on your team for some doubters? <laughs> Y'all don't want nobody on the team. Thomas is one of those guys that didn't know how to move out there in faith. He's one of those guys that said, when I see it, I'll believe it. it. Here's a man that operated in his natural mind rather than a spiritual mind. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And he was more rational, more logical, more sense-oriented, and yet Jesus says, Thomas, (laughs) we need some people like you on the team and Thomas saying, listen, I don't see angels. I don't see seraphim and cherubim. He said, I don't have visions and dreams. Man, help me to think through this process. And when they told Thomas he's risen and Thomas said, I wasn't at the meeting and I won't believe it's him until I see his hands and see his sight. And Jesus obliged him at the end of resurrection. Do you have some room on your team for some folks that maybe have some doubt? Yeah, I heard one yes. We got more than Matthew. (laughs) All right, then we have James. He leads the last group because he tells our chippers, fulfill your call in the Lord. So the Lord had a team. He knew something about putting people together and working with people. Now, James is called the son of Alphaeus, and this is who this James is, but he's also, church history calls him James the less. He's a short guy. They call him James the little James the Less. Do you have room for short people on your team? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) People that just grow so far and then just stop. (laughs) Do you have room for different kinds of people on the team? Good. So he tells James, the son of Alphaeus, come on, be on the team. Now, this next guy, Thaddeus, man, he's kind of interesting. Because he's called Thaddeus, also called Libius, And in another place, he's called Judas, not Iscariot. Here's a guy with three names. Do you have room on your team with some people that have AKA? (laughs) Thaddeus, better known as Libius, better known as Judas, not Iscariot. Do you have room on your team for some people that are known as one thing here, another thing there, and another thing over there? Do you have room for some people with some AKAs? Better known as Prince, the better, the art. The art is better known as. Whatever that is. <laughs> he said, come on, be on the team, even though you got aliases. I like this next guy. His name is Simon and uh, Matthew, I think. Let me look at the account now. In the Matthew account, he is called Simon the Canaanite in ten four 4 Matthew. Uh, in uh, the Mark account, he is called Simon the Canaanite in Mark 318, Simon the Canaanite. In the uh, Luke account, in Luke 6 and 15, he's called Simon the Zealot. And then in the Acts account, again, Acts 1 and 13, he's called Simon the Zealot. Now, this guy's kind of interesting because he's called Simon the Canaanite and Simon the Zealot. Now... Most of us know that the Canaanites were black people. Noah had three sons, Ham, Sham, and Japheth, And uh, the, the Hamites were black people, dark-skinned people. Now, Ham had some sons. He, they had, he had Cush, Put, Mizram, and Canaan. Those are all black people. So Canaan, black people. <laughs> Y'all know about all that, right? He said read the genealogies, right? He's black people. But not only was he a black guy, he was a zealot. Now, the zealots were like Black Panther Jews. (laughs) Yeah, let me work with this for a moment. Well, help us all out. These zealots were people, they were called zealots because they burned with a zeal, a hatred for Rome. And these were like, like, we would call them terrorists today because they would stand in the crowd with knives and short swords in their robes. And when a Roman came by, they'd cover his mouth, stab him, step back in the crowd. The Roman would drop to the ground and they would just kill Romans. They hated Romans. So, so Jesus finds this Black Panther Jew. <laughs> Simon the Black is Zealot. And he said, come on and be on my team. Think, think with me for a moment. Have y'all ever wondered when, the, when Jesus called all of his executive board to the prayer meeting, where Simon got that sword from? <laughs> they got the working so good with each other. Probably one day this black dude went over to Simon and said, now listen, Simon, you've been hearing what the master's been saying. He said when he come, one day, one day they're gonna come and get him. Now listen, brother, when they step to Jesus, you need to represent <laughs> Now here bro, take this sword and put it in your robe. Now Simon's a fisherman. He don't know nothing about no sword. Cause even when he swings the sword, he's probably trying to take the guy's neck off and cut his ear off. Where did he get the sword? Probably hanging out with that black dude. I'm just reading the Bible he said now when they step on him man when they step up you step up and Jesus takes this radical black guy I know when you see those pictures of him around the table they leave this guy out they don't paint him right <laughs> but when you go home and look at your painting you could take one of them just choose any of them just put a little brown on him because we up in there we up in there Y'all playing too much now. You play too much. At the table. (laughs) And Jesus says, come on. Be on my team. And then there's a last guy. He's called Judas Iscariot. What do we know him for? Betrayal. He's the one that betrayed him. As I wrap this up about finishing strong, not everybody finishes strong. We found that out with Demas. Paul had his Demas. Jesus had his Judas. Betrayal is one of the most painful kind of experiences anyone can be in. Betrayal is not only when we lead somebody to their death as Judas did with Jesus, but betrayal is when you expect because someone has told you they're going to behave some way and then they stab you in your back. The psalmist says, one day they will come to him. They'll say, where did these wounds come from? And they'll say, it was not in the house of my adversary. It was in the house of my friends that I got these wounds.'" There was a popular group back in the 60s that said, they smile in your face. But all the time they want to take your place. Called the backstabbers. And friends, there are some people that will get up in your face and smile. But then all the time, they mean you harm. They are betrayals. Betrayal is not really just so much to wipe you out as much as it's a sin that wants to come against your heart. Because when somebody betrays you, it wants to so damage your heart that you'll never trust anyone again. It's not after your head. This one isn't. It's not after your walk. It's after your heart. And betrayal happens on a lot of levels when you marry someone and they promise to be faithful and then they betray that trust. It's after your heart. When a parent tells a child, I'm going to be there when you go to college and pay your fees and see you through. And then when college comes around, they abandon the family. It's after your heart. When you throw your money in with a partner, and start a business and you're going to do it together and then with bookkeeping and finagling and, and those kind of things. All of a sudden they cut you out of the deal or vote you out and all of a sudden now your money's in and your investment of energy and creativity's been in. But then you get betrayed by a partner and now they got the business and you're out. It's after your heart. When you think that some folks are with you, when you turn around to look found out everyone has run away and you're standing there fighting by yourself. It's called betrayal. If I could lay my hands on people and say, I want to anoint you that you'll never experience betrayal, I would, but it would be false because if we're going to walk where Jesus walked, somewhere along that walk, we're going to have to learn how to deal with the sin of betrayal. Sometimes it can happen with staff we entrust a portion of the ministry or the work or the enterprise to them. And instead of doing the work, they slough off. They don't do the work. And all of a sudden, all of us are in trouble because someone has betrayed a trust. Betrayal hurts us in our heart. And it wants to so close our heart that we'll never trust anybody again. But you must understand that ministry involves a degree of trust and we must open our hearts again. i then hurt by betrayal and the temptation was to keep people at an arm's length, get me some armor bearers around, keep everybody at a distance, come into the service late, leave early, not rub elbows, but sheep need to be able to smell their shepherd. And shepherds need to be able to rub and touch their sheep. Friends, this Judas didn't fulfill his purpose because of betrayal and then took his own life out. Friends, I want you to know that even if you've experienced betrayal and you wonder, do I fit on this team? Jesus fulfilled his purpose even through betrayal. That's how we fulfill it in the Lord. Remember, he experienced shame. He experienced pain. He experienced betrayal. He experienced hurt. And yet he said, it is finished. Amen. I've completed my course. And listen at this man, Paul. I fought a good fight. I finished my course and I've kept the faith. Archippus, pay attention to the ministry you have received in the Lord and fulfill it. And the Lord had a team that was around him. And though we've had some fun with the team that was around the Lord because it was very diverse, so also we had some fun because this is a diverse church and ministry and so are the rest of the ministries represented here. And friends, could it be that when you and I love and walk together as one, the world will know that he is Lord. Ray, you can come because when I was in South Africa a few years ago, I went there in 1988 when apartheid was still in. I had a chance to visit a young man's church whose name is Ray McCauley. He was one of the first churches internationally to start a Rama Bible Training Center under Dr. Kenneth Hagan. I was standing outside the hotel one day, and a man asked me, well, well who are you? And I told him I was in the... American, and he said you're not an American you Zulu I said I'm not Zulu I'm an American because then he started talking to me in a Zulu dialect I said I'm not Zulu I'm an American he said you Zulu <laughs> whatever <laughs> but we had a chance as I was talking to this doorman about why I was there and I told him I was there in the country to preach and he said where are you preaching at and I said I'm preaching at Rayma Bible Church in Ransburg and he said Ray McCauley and I said yes sir that's all he said and I said you know I've noticed this thing called apartheid and understanding a lot better since I've been in the country because you have your black Africans here and your Colored here. These are people that were either black and African. You have your Africans, which were white Africans, and you have a bunch of people from India over here. And then you had some mulattoes, which were Indians and white mixing, Indian and black mix, everybody had their section. You had to be in your section by night. Everybody was divided. And I looked at that brother, and this was before even Nelson Mandela had come out of jail. And I said, do you think that this is ever gonna come to an end? And that man looked at me at that door and he said, there's only one man in this nation that can help us bring this through. And he said, that's Ray McCauley. He said, cause in Randsburg, he said, everybody comes and worships together. And McCauley was the first one to put black folks and brown folks and red folks and yellow folks and white folks all on staff. He was the first one to have a multicultural staff with pastors, black men preaching to everybody and white men preaching to everybody and, and Indians preaching to everybody and then they started doing branches. He said, Ray McCauley's the only one that can help us do this. Could it be that Faith Christian Center might be one of the only ones in this area that can help us all come together? And I believe it's not just Faith Christian Center, I believe it's the church. I believe it's the church that we can show, man, that though we may be white, we may be black, we may be red, we may be yellow, we may be brown. We may be Democrats, we may be Republicans. We may be a man, somebody working for the man, we may be a radical, but we can all come together and worship a common Jesus. We may be aggressive or we may be passive, but there's room for us. We may be boisterous servants or we may be silent servants, but there's room for us here. I believe it's only through the church that we can all come together and work together in the Lord. And this week we've said, man, in this church there are people with a servant's heart. There are people with sinful pasts. There are people with sympathetic hearts. There are people with surprising futures. There are even people who are silent servants. There are people with single passions. There are people who are bent on and decided and determined to finish strong. And we're going to finish strong in the Lord. No matter how diverse we are, we're going to work this thing out. In the high priestly prayer in John 17, he said, Lord, make them one that the world might know that you have sent me. Our oneness is a sign of evangelism and a tool of evangelism. When I can tell people to come to our church and say, we're a multicultural church multi-ethnic, economically and socially diversified. In this church, you get a chance to get a taste of what heaven's going to be like. You don't want to think that heaven is going to have divided sections. See, for those that are here tonight, heaven will be no culture shock to you because you're going to say, I got a little appetizer of that right here in Seekonk, Massachusetts. Because we can all work together and worship together and serve together and demonstrate Jesus together. I want to pray for us that we'll continue to work together. That the world might know God sent him. Let's pray. Father, we want to be like our chippas, finishing strong in the Lord, the ministry that you gave to us. Oh God, today, we thank you today, Father, for not only this list that Paul gave, but he said to our chippers, finish strong and fulfill your ministry in the Lord that he's given unto you. And Father, we thank you that Jesus gives us a model of 12 men that work together. Different personalities, different pers- a political perspectives, different in their demeanor, they were different in their temperament, but they all came together through the aid of the Holy Spirit to get the job done. Tonight, Father, we agree that we will never lose the uniqueness of our churches and ministries that are celebrated and represented here tonight. Oh, God, we can look around and see the diversity, not only American diversity, but international diversity, and yet you've called us here. How you did this, I don't know, but you did, and we're glad to be a part of. God, help us to be a witness for all those around this area that say it'll never work. And Father, help us to be such a witness that the world might know that Jesus was sent. Father, let our oneness be a tool of our witness in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you for that now. In the name of Jesus. Deepen our love. Deepen our commitment to one another. Because Jesus, it was said earlier today by Pastor John, all we have is you and each other. But we can make it with those. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that will eliminate hurt that has come by betrayal. Help some in this congregation tonight to risk the trust again. Cure the hurt and the pain, and through the water of the Holy Spirit, help us to open up our hearts one more time so that we can be who you've called us to be. Now, Father, we thank you that you will make alive the word that we've shared. As many of us this week have had a chance to locate ourselves we commit to finish strong and to fulfill the ministry you've given unto us in Jesus' name. That your name might be glorified and that the world might know that Jesus was sent in the name of Jesus. Make alive your word and what your mouth is spoken, let your hand now perform.